Welcome to the Dead Pixel Society podcast, the photo imaging industry's leading news source. Here's your host, Gary Peugeot. The Dead Pixel Society podcast is brought to you by Media Clip, Advertech Printing, and IP Labs. Hello again and welcome to the Dead Pixel Society podcast. I'm your host, Gary Peugeot, and today we're joined by Stuart McDonald, who is an old friend of mine going back, I don't even want to say how many years, but we'll say 40. And Stuart's going to be sharing to us uh, a lot of information about lean principles. But first, Stu, let's first talk about your career, because it's 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 a multivaried and different one than most people. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you. And first of all, thank you for inviting me to this prestigious podcast. It's very nice <laughs> to be here. Um, uh, 40 years. Uh, that it makes us look, sound older than what we really are. But, exactly. Uh, We're young at heart. Yeah. Uh, so uh, my career is, yeah, it, it's, it's interesting. Um, it started uh, where, you know, in the college years, I, I had worked my way up as a magician and then uh, put myself through college with it. And then I went on tour. Mm-hmm. We toured for like a dec- uh, 15 years and decided, eh, we want to get off the road. So we started this little haunted house. And it turned out to be one of the largest in the country. It was like 20,000 square feet. And this is before haunted houses were a big thing. Right, right, right. And we did that for 17 years. And then... Uh, you know, the economy started bottoming out in 2008. And uh, so I got out of that, went back to college, the Adrian College, where we both met, and went into the corporate world mm-hmm. and started working at uh, television stations and then ended up at a large manufacturing headquarters on the west side of the state. Mm-hmm. Uh they make appliances. I won't say who, but they're pretty, pretty, pretty big deal. And you also, I mean, you you ran your own business. You did video. You had a video company. You did. Oh yeah, yeah. Forgot about that. Yeah. You did documentaries. You were yeah. doing a lot of different things. Yeah, I had a. I also had a, a company called uh, Boomerang Studios, and uh, we did like 400 TV commercials, a lot of reg- regional and local. But then. The real breakout that we had was a documentary called I Want to Look Like That Guy. Mm-hmm. And it got the attention of Arnold Schwarzenegger and his whole group of people. And it just went, mm-hmm. it skyrocketed. So I'm well known in the bodybuilding community still for something that I made in 2009. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so you can look that up. It's, <laughs> it, it's some, you know, people put it on the internet for free now. So it's, it's, yeah. it, thousands of links to it but um, I, I think i've got a copy of it here somewhere i'm sure i bought the dvd at some point I'm and gonna... also um you kind of didn't do the magician thing for years and then a few years ago you got back into it and you received some national and international acclaim yeah and this is where the story gets interesting and and latches on to the topic we're going to talk about um while i was working with this manufacturer i was like oh, man i really was depressed. I didn't feel whole. And I was like, well, when did I feel really good about myself? And it was like, was when I was just getting started out in magic as a competitive magician, because mm-hmm. that's how you kind of go up through the ranks and get noticed by producers. But the only way to do that at an older age is to be in the world championships and you have to qualify for that. 
And uh, my first attempt, I basically face planted in front of everybody mm. in the industry. And I, I mean, laughing stock. I mean, this guy was terrible. Can you explain a little bit about competitive magic? I mean, because that's an that that's a very narrow niche that most people probably aren't even exposed to or or are even aware of. No, they're not, but it will be. There's a London, uh, a very famous London documentary company uh, that has contacted me and a bunch of other magicians who compete in the world championships. They're doing a documentary about it. Okay, so it will be mainstream. In the near future, however, no, a lot of people don't know what this competition competition is, and they held it every three years in a different country. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Olympics of Magic, essentially, it, yeah, it's called FISM, the Federation of International Magicians Society, and it's been around for like eighty five years. And when when you say these, it's competitive. I mean, in Europe, it's how you make or break your career. Mm-hmm. very serious and especially in asia Mm -hmm. uh it has gotten so big um that uh government states will sponsor these magicians and they will come back as like olympic heroes Mm -hmm. sure Uh, and it is it's really it's really fascinating i mean this isn't like you know the magic that you see a magician pulling out the quarter behind the ear i mean this is sophisticated stuff just to give you an idea how sophisticated um there was a guy from italy who uh did his act and with water his that was his theme he was controlling water mm-hmm. and at the end he became a hologram of water and just the water stopped and right. he disappeared wow and 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 he didn't even come close to placing wow Wow. Yeah. And so, so you, so you decide you need a challenge in your life and you get back into it and you face plan, you do not succeed. So what's your thought process then? Cause you're thinking maybe I don't have it anymore. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm old school. Right. So <laughs> what ended up happening is I, I remembered my training at this manufacturing company that they trained us in lean principles and continuous improvement. And I'm like, and, and what does lean mean for those who don't know? Well, lean isn't necessarily an, an acronym. It, okay. it's, Cause I it's, see it at, as an acronym around. Yeah, but, I mean, you can, it has a lot of meanings with uh, different people, but basically what it is, it's a composite of principles mm-hmm. that are, designed to eliminate waste and create efficiency. Okay. And that's, that's what lean is. And the continuous improvement part is, is that you have a closed loop system where you are constantly leaning out, Mm -hmm. putting new efficiencies in. So, right. That's what we're. we're, So you decided that you were going to, from the training you had at this large company, that you were going to apply these principles to your magic act. Yeah. Of all things. Right. (laughs) I'm like, I, I didn't know how to really do it, but I, the more I thought about it, uh, lean principles have a lot of similarity to uh, theatrical principles. Mm-hmm. And when I'm talking about the lean principles, I'm not talking about black belt, right? Mm-hmm. I'm talking about just the, the very basics. So um, I would take uh, like direct observation would be director. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and and Don Paul would be the audience reaction. Either okay. they're booing, falling asleep, not paying attention. That means there's something wrong. So right. I, would, I would take these principles and I would, and I would match them with theater principles. Okay. And it made it really easy. 
and mm-hmm. I started uh, looking at my act a little differently. And mm-hmm. I, now, now for those who have not seen your act, and I do recommend folks go on the tubes and you know yeah. Google Stuart McDonald. You can find a lot of his material there. But um, just just briefly talk about the scenario that you were working on that you apply these principles to the kind of uh, the magician storyline, you had a story to it. Yeah. At first there was no story. It was just a mirror. Um, And I, and this mirror duplicated things and uh, the The accidental musician, uh, magician, I think unintentional, unintentional magician. Okay. So I ended up uh, after I face planted um, this magician whose name is, uh, um, Gene Anderson, who is a retired and a very famous magician. And he, mm-hmm. he did magic throughout his entire career at Dow Chemical. Uh, but he is a uh, PhD in uh, chemical research. And mm-hmm. he, he took me aside. He said, Stuart, I want a story. Because mm-hmm. nobody else is telling a story. Give us a story. So I started thinking a lot about it. And um, I contacted uh, a, a guy who came from Adrian High School, Adrian High School, and went through the Croswell Opera House Theater that was in our hometown. And the dude ended up being one of the uh, go-to production designers for Broadway. And Mm -hmm. he nominated for a Tony for uh, creating um, Newsies, all the the whole production design of Newsies was his. And he was just, he just finished with Spielberg uh, doing uh, West Side Story, the, Mm -hmm. the television the uh, the movie so he's a pretty big deal mm-hmm. and i found him on facebook and i said hey this is Stuart mcdonald uh, i want to be in the world championships of magic you know it's like i'm really struggling uh can you help me out here's a video just give me some tips and i'll be out of your hair mm-hmm. and uh he said i want you to call me mm-hmm. like, what? so he gave me a call and he said Stuart, when i was in the fifth grade, you came to my elementary school, you brought me up on stage and you did the cut and restored rope trick for me. Mm -hmm. He said, you are the person who introduced me to theater. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, what? Wow. And he said, yeah, I want to pay this back. You don't have to pay me. I I really want to do this for you. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm like, well, I have two years before the qualifier for Busan South Korea. Uh, and he's like, okay, well, let's look at the act. And so he looked it over and he started asking questions and he used a technique that he didn't know was lean, but I did. It's called five. Why he just kept on asking me, why are you doing this? And why are you doing that? Getting into my thought process. Mm-hmm. And I was learning, learning that my thought process had no direction, no meaning behind it. And it wasn't until he said the color of the cloth that's covering this mirror that's duplicating things. Why is it paisley? He said, it looks like an old carpet bag. And I go, well, it just looked old to me. And he goes, well, that's, that's not good enough. And uh, he said, what if it was just a simple drop cloth? And then he said, what if it was maybe this whole thing takes place in an attic? And as soon as he said, and then he said, it might even be haunted. And as soon as he said that, the whole thing played in my head. Mm-hmm. All, the, the whole character, it all, it all came into place. And then from there, um, I kept on iterating the act. Now, this is mm-hmm. 2015. 
and uh, and I assembled a team and I kept on sending out these videos and uh, to my team, just my team only. And they comprise of people from all different walks of life. And so I was getting opinions from magicians. I was getting opinions from engineers. I was getting opinions from just general people and yeah. Yeah. theater directors. Uh, and everybody contributed in, in a different way. Right. So, and so this technique is process mapping mm-hmm. and, and, and it's, it's trying to figure out I need data, right? I don't, I, I can't right. do a Kaizen, a Kaizen event of myself. I mean, I, I know everything that I'm doing, right. I'm doing wrong. You know? <laughs> right. Exactly. Or, or why you're doing it. Right. Yeah. The, the whole why behind it all. So uh, once I started establishing the why and started an- answering more questions Mm-hmm. And, and, and the, the, the thing that I found is that, you know, when you think of lean, it's, it's a relationship between you and your customer, right? So you want to put as few steps between you and your customer and the customer can be anything. Like for instance, if you have uh, a factory, you have to have your, your customer is your supplier, right? So if you have too many barriers and too many toll gates between you and that buyer, there's a lot of mistakes that can happen. So you right. want to, so I looked at my audience in the same way. I need as few steps as possible to get my story to them right. without them trying to figure it all out in their head. And it's like, why is he doing that? Why am I, I don't want the audience to be thinking more questions. I want them to be lost in it. Right. So, so you don't want to create a premise where they're starting to think about, well, that's a cool haunted house wonder where that is and because they're not paying attention to your story. Yeah. You don't want them to think of who is this guy? Why is he here? You don't, it, it doesn't matter why I'm there. Right. It should, you know, that, that question is answered differently in everybody's head. Right. Uh, and then, you know, every once in a while you get a magician, it's like, it doesn't make any sense. You know, why do you come on stage with a candelabra? It doesn't make any sense to me. Who are you? Why are you there? And I'm like, well, I have nine minutes and I'm not speaking. I can't, <laughs> anywhere but obviously i'm in a room that i can't see until i illuminate it and every haunted haunted house movie from the 50s and 40s always has that scenario right yeah so so as we started digging into the storyline um we started to have to go into waste management okay because i had a lot of you know, when you're pouring a, a putting putting a story together, you have lots of plots, right? And you have to figure out which plot is going to stick the best, right? Because you had a, you had a hard stop on this, yeah. I mean, you don't have a lot of time for yeah. this presentation for this competition. You had what nine minutes to do your whole act, right? Yeah, uh, and well, ten minutes was a cutoff, but you don't want to get there, right? Uh, because then you're going to see a red light. Nobody wants to see a red light. Uh, and five minutes is your mi- minimum. And all these other competitors are hitting the five, six minute mark. But my story is a little bit more complex. And, mm-hmm. and so I had to add more and uh, more explanation. And by doing that, uh, it added more complexity. And mm-hmm. so we had to use the Tim Woods, uh, which is the um, waste uh acronym mm-hmm. so time is the t part mm-hmm. of it the amount of time 
is that people are waiting for a trick to happen. Right. Uh, Stay with us. We'll be right back. Photo retailers, energize your sales with ShareMe Chat, the proven texting platform. Using chat to text on your website keeps your customers connected and buying. See us at Pro and IPI to find out why dealers using ShareMe Chat close more sales without adding staff. Find out more at shareme.chat. How many, I don't want to call them illusions or tricks. I'm not sure what the actual nomenclature is, but how many were there at the in the final presentation? How many illusions did you have? Well, uh, in the competition, um, I, 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 I can't, I can't even tell you, uh, how many, mm-hmm. uh, but, but it's a lot, it's more than two it, or three. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a lot of small things it's nonstop. To, to lead up to the mirror. Yeah. And, and now that, uh, it's not a competition act anymore, I've added even more elements mm-hmm. and more skill mm-hmm. that I wish I would have had time for, uh, before. Uh, so yeah, I mean, you're probably looking at, you know, a hundred different, you know, Mm -hmm. visual effects and things. And it, so, so, so getting back to what you were saying, you had a, a time element you had to work with, you had to figure out what to keep and what to throw away all continuously all during this time. Yeah. Yes. And, and that was, that that part was difficult because you have to you know you don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater, but right uh, you know you have to what do they call it uh, kill your darlings right yeah exactly exactly you know just because you like it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to advance the the act or the or the or the show right. So, you know, when you, when you think of the Tim Woods thing, like uh, T is transport, you know, it's like, I'm transporting these, my tricks from one part of the table to another. Uh, what am I bring, bringing on stage? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm transporting a candelabra on stage and we had different forms of candelabras. At first it was a, uh, a chamber pot candle. And we found out that uh, after watching it over and over and over again, it's like, it should be a candelabra. Mm-hmm. You want to illuminate a room and candelabras are used for uh, people that in scenarios where you don't know where you're going. Right. Chamber pot candle is, is just like you know, one candle, you know where you're going, you're going to go to do your business and then go back to bed. Right. You don't want to. Right. Is a lot is a lot different. So but you're even pot- thinking of things that maybe on an instinctive level would make sense. And you didn't yeah. have to explain it. It just made sense. Yeah. 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 Cause it's interesting. What ended up happening is that when I went from a single candle to a candelabra, it created a lot of problems because it was easy to duplicate a single candle, but mm-hmm. it wasn't, it, but it, it wasn't spectacular. Mm-hmm. Right. But when you duplicate a candelabra, Mm-hmm. it was like it turned into a miracle there's like what the where the heck did that come from right and and it and it increased the complexity of the illusion it it did and it didn't it's it's amazing how how you can think your way out of a problem okay when you when you are presented with with something 
-hmm. that you're like, how am I going to make this fit? And you just reverse engineer it. Right. Um, and then the other, the other, uh, uh, part of the waste is, uh, the second one is the I, which is inventory. So inventory is for me, inventory is as a, you could look at it as prop management. How many props am I bringing to the story? But it became more complex than that. Inventory became just how do I transport this table and this mirror right. and all the parts and pieces because it was becoming a pain right. to assemble and disassemble was a thousand parts because it had to be less than 50 pounds. And oh my gosh, it was it was nuts. So I came up with a system where the table doesn't have any screws, nuts, or bolts. It's all mm -hmm. cotton together. And the mirror is all quarter inch uh, bolts. So if I lose a bolt or whatever, it's easy to find a quarter inch. Yeah. You, can do, you can do that visually. Right. So you even extended these principles into, into, the, into the construction of oh, everything. A hundred percent. Yeah. So it wasn't just the act. It was actually the construction of all of the props and all of the various accoutrements right. you needed to even transport it. Cause like you said, you had to take this thing to South Korea, right? Uh, yes. Yeah. I mean, and, I mean, that was the goal was to yeah. get it to South Korea. Right. And, and the other part too, is that, you know, when you're in the competition, this world competition is that you can't do any magic that's off the shelf. You have to invent Okay. And so you can't go to the to uh the Magic Castle place in Las Vegas and buy some off the shelf and get really good at it and try and compete. No, can't do it. Mm. You'll be you'll be laughed off the stage. They will close the curtains on you. Mm. Okay. And that, that happened. Yeah, that created its own challenge uh because it gets you into um 5S. Mm. 5S is when you're prop building, you amass massive amounts of just junk mm. everywhere, from servos to batteries to wire to coat hangers to you name it there's tons of little things well, don't that, shatter the illusion for me i'm still thinking this is all magical oh it, it, it is but but it's <laughs> but it, it can become a nightmare because it's like you get an idea right and right. you need to find that tool to make that problem right. work and right. if you and if that tool is hidden underneath, like some project that you did a while ago, and you didn't put that tool back where it was, right? You're you're wasting precious time right. to find that one tool. And sometimes I'm like, I know I bought this prop, I know I know what I I'm just gonna have to buy a new one, mm -hmm. and then you know, and then <laughs> then you find it, yeah, then you find, it, and then you got two of them. But it's like it, it's, it would be. It, you, you get to the point of time management where it's like it's it'll cost me less money to buy a new one of these things right it's lost than to try to find it right so 5s became very important to me so uh, explain it for the layman listening to this what sure. is 5s what are the so 5s is is uh everything in its place and a place for everything that's the simplest way to to okay but it, so if you imagine, um, and we've all seen this, uh, a, a very uh, anal retentive person in their garage and they have an outline on the mm -hmm. wall of every tool. So if, if the tool isn't put back, there's an outline. Mm -hmm. So instantly they know a tool is not 
where it's supposed to be. It's missing. I'm that guy. I am that guy. Yeah. Yeah. And in uh, 5S uh, can really uh, be very effective when it's like you cannot close the door on your shop until that tool fills that spot. Right. Because you'll forget. Right. And, and so that's what 5S is. It's basic, And you could do that with your desk. Right. Um, I've seen guys at, at work that uh, they say, oh, no, I, I said, where's your where's your family photos? Where's uh, your Christmas cards? He goes, oh, no, I, every, I just have a laptop. I can sit, sit down anywhere and that's my office. Right. The, the guys that really know how to do it um, can really make their, their life a lot simpler if you 5S. An- another way of 5S, right, is uh, your, when you open up your uh, junk drawer at home. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, what if your junk drawer looked like your silverware? Drawer? Right. It's like, yeah, well, that would make sense. Now, unless your like, unless your silverware drawer looks like your junk drawer, then then there's a problem there. Right, but it's called a junk drawer because it's not organized. It's just a repository. Yeah, it's, it's the stuff you can't you don't put in the other drawers, right? Right. So it's so, not. <laughs> so so you started this process in 2015. So when was the competition? So the qualifying competition was uh, in 2018. So you had approximately three years to work this process. Did you do this the whole time or was this? I was was doing minor competitions leading up to it and not getting anywhere. Then in March of 2018, I was on, uh, I I was accepted to be on Fool Us, the TV show. Which which features who? Uh, Penn and Teller. Uh, it's a national TV show on, I forgot it was ABC or somebody like that. It's on the CW and it's on YouTube. And uh, so I was invited to be on the show. And and if you stump Penn and Teller, then you get to work with them in Las Vegas. And, and what does that mean, stumping them? They can't figure out what it is you did? Right. That's the whole idea. That's the whole idea of of being on their program. And, and if you don't stump them, it's like they compliment you. They say you did a really great job and it's the best way I've ever seen that trick done, but we, we know that trick well. And mm-hmm. so uh, I went in there and I was like, I know that I'm going to, I'm going to fool these guys because I invented this trick with this mirror and it's, hey, I'll just use the word. It, it's ballsy. What I do <laughs> okay. is very ballsy. And it's something that no magician has ever done before. And, uh, and I'm like, okay, so let's, let's give it a shot. So I do it. And they had no idea. Right. No idea. Yeah. I, I've seen the segment. Cause like you said, it's online, you can see it and you can just, the looks on their face was, yeah. I wouldn't say it was stunned, but it was definitely, you can see yeah. their gears are working, trying to figure it out. Yeah. And backstage I showed them how, and they were like, what? I, you broke the code. You're not supposed to do that. Yeah. Well, you know, they're your idols, right? You want to <laughs> give them a little love. So, uh, yeah. So you haven't um, even shown me, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got to be a magician. <laughs> so anyway, so I win, and and there's these rumblings that are happening in the magic community. It's like Stuart Modell just fooled Penn and Teller. It's a pretty big deal, and now the competition is that summer and and it had to be a big confidence boost for you right 
it's a big confidence boost. And, and I thought, you know, I'm going to win this thing. And, and did you, you didn't sit on your laurels though. You still continue to refine the process, correct? Oh yeah. I refined it, refined it, refined it even more. And so when the competition came around, it's in two phases. Phase one is you qualify for the Olympics of magic. And then phase two is the finals who gets to be the, the winner. Now, this was the time where the Society of American Magicians, which is the SAM, and the International Brotherhood of Magicians came together and they called it the Combined Convention. And it was held in Louisville. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was not a hopeful. Uh, the, they had Asian performers that were there and it was going to be a very, very tight competition. Now, now, give us an idea of the scale of the composition. How many competitors and how many people, like, win? Stay with us. We'll be right back. When it comes to influencer marketing, there's a podcast that covers it all that you will want to add to your playlist. The Influence Factor by the Influencer Marketing Factory. They talk about influencer marketing, social media, the creator economy, social commerce, and much, much more. They cover all aspects, including the creator economy, social commerce, the latest trends, the metaverse, TikTok trends, and that's just the beginning. The Influence Factor by the Influencer Marketing Factory. Add the podcast to your playlist right now. Well, in the in the qualifiers, uh, I can't remember how many competitors there were. It was a fair number. You can the only only people from like the Asian people were able to compete in the International Brotherhood of Magicians, right. but to qualify for the Olympics of Magic, you have to be from North America. Okay. Is there, they're in different sections. I did my, my act and I got a standing ovation and Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, but I made a, there was a major problem though, uh, that nobody knew about, but me, but I was really upset. Mm -hmm. Um, my mirror wasn't set properly. Um, and it was ahead of my table rather than behind the table. And some people couldn't see. And I'm like, fine. So I actually had to pick it up and set it back in front of the audience. And I'm like, damn it. But uh, the act was so strong that it didn't matter. Mm -hmm. So then the evening show happens and I knew something was up because they said, we want you to close Mm -hmm. the evening evening competition. They said, you can put your tickets in the box for the, for the, uh, the people's choice award. And there's 2000 people in the audience and uh, everybody was telling me, Stu, your box, you can't get any more tickets mm-hmm. in. Your box is jammed. They didn't even have to count them. Right. And uh, so when the award ceremony started, uh, now just think about this. I had face planted just in the last competition. Right. And and so the expectation was he's, he might be here. Yeah. I won everything it blew the doors off of magic for me. I mean, I became, an, I was a nothing and all of a sudden everybody wanted to taste of me. Mm-hmm. And so I, then I had one more year to refine the act. You go to Korea and the competition was solid. It was a lot of fun. And um, my only goal was just to qualify. Mm-hmm. It wasn't win. winning was not part of it because it's very subjective and, 
and the competition is so crazy. Right. But I got in the top 10. And and when you think of face planting and right. then you get in the top 10 and uh, and nobody from the Western hemisphere was close to me. Right. I, I was like, okay. Um, mm-hmm. And I got a world tour out of it. Mm-hmm. So where did the world tour take you? Oh, where didn't it? Um, <laughs> I was, I was getting, I was getting so many offers. I had to turn them down. I mean, I had offers to go to, uh, Oh, it's a, it's an Island nation outside of um, uh, Australia. But anyway, okay. there, uh, to be on a TV show there, I was supposed to be on a TV show in Italy, but I ended, but I ended up uh, going to the UK, uh, Italy, Sweden, Spain, China, and the entire Caribbean. Mm-hmm. And then, oh, I'm so sorry about that. Yeah, and then been really a hardship. Right, it was, it was terrible. <laughs> and then COVID. Right. Yeah. There you and, go. And there you go. So. The reason why I went to have you on not only was to reconnect because we don't we don't see each other often enough, but right. to really kind of bring this back home towards the idea of using these relatively uh, mechanical or rigid principles to a creative process, right? Yeah. Um, um, I think that's something that a lot of people in in the photo industry could benefit from, you know, if they're doing like a photo shoot or if they're doing, even if they're printing pictures, right. Or, you know, doing all kinds of things. What are the top three things you think um, somebody should keep in mind as they apply these principles to a creative endeavor? Um, Yeah. Creative endeavor. Well, first of all is uh, get to know the principles first. Right. Uh, The, and, and just high level. I would say from a creative standpoint is waste elimination. Mm-hmm. Use the, use the acronym, Tim Woods, just mm-hmm. look it up. It's every, you know, it's the definition is there for you. Tim Woods. Mm-hmm. I would apply that. Mm-hmm. The other thing I would apply is continuous improvement. I would find something that whenever you do a shoot, you ask yourself, what could I do what one thing could I do differently that would make it better? Right. Just one tiny incremental thing. And what you, what I did is whenever I would find something uh, that I improve upon, I'd have a penny, an empty jar, and then I'd have a full penny jar. And I would say improvement on the uh, empty jar. Mm -hmm. So whenever you take an idea and you go, Oh, okay. I had an improvement. You put it in the improvement jar. So now you can actually see progressively how many times you've improved something. So you're, you're moving the needle, but you're watching it happen because you can see, you can see it and you can feel it. And it's a visual cue. It's almost like you're rewarding yourself. Yeah. Like before you uh, walk out of the office, you go, Oh yeah, that was an idea. And then you put it in there. Um, So yeah, small incremental, uh, mm-hmm. changes and then they become big changes in the, right. and what I did with my act uh, to give you an idea of how powerful that is is that um, I had gave myself a 30-day window before I went on the Penn and Teller Foolis and I videotaped my act 100 times in 30 days with the idea that if I improved one thing that would be a percentage point mm-hmm. so 
So at the end of 30 days, my act would be 100% better than what it was. Right. Before. And it worked. Mm -hmm. Now, the thing there I think is important is you had to kind of let go of the preconception of you had to be willing to change your story, right? To, yeah. to enhance the improvements. You had to be, you had to be so wed to the story that you know of the uh, of the magician in the haunted house and you had a preconceived notion it was going to do this this and this because the improvements would change the story um or enhance it right yeah. right yeah and make it more and clarify it mm -hmm. so but i, I know it's with a lot of times with the creative people in particular right they have their vision and they're going to lock step hold down that vision like it's, you know, gripping around, you know, uh, a, a snake in, in their garden, right? They're just not going to let that thing go. And right. sometimes that can be very limiting. It, it, it can be. It can be because you could be holding on to the wrong idea when you think it's the right idea. So the third thing mm -hmm. uh, I would I would say is uh, for photographers, 5S. Mm -hmm. You have so much gear. Um and, and if you don't have the gear in the right place and you, and you don't have a ritual for charging your batteries, have a ritual for your bag to make sure that you have the batteries, you have SD cards, you know, mm -hmm. uh, there are so many things that if you leave one thing behind, you're screwed. <laughs> right. Or you're delayed. Right. So, uh, you know, that is something that I would say a photographer could really take to heart is to have that in your bag of tricks. Awesome. So Stuart, it's been great catching up. Where can people go to find more information about you, your magic, and your uh, lean presentation uh, presentations? Uh, you go to my website. And if, if anything, just Google Stuart McDonald Magician, and that's S-T-U-A-R-T. And MAC. MAC, yes. <laughs> it's Mac. Uh, but my website is stuartmcdonaldmagic.com. Pretty easy. And I'm easy to find if you type my name and then add the word magician. If you don't type my name, you'll get Stuart McDonald the golfer and Stuart McDonald the uh uh the mountain, the mountaineering guide. Who's oh, really nice. Did not know. Listen, to me, there's only one Stuart McDonald. So you're it. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you much. Great to see you again. And uh, thanks again for being on the podcast. Oh, you're welcome. Anytime. Thank you for listening to the Dead Pixel Society podcast. Read more great stories and sign up for the newsletter at www.thedeadpixelssociety.com.